I'm Damian Bulwa, Metro Editor at the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, we have breaking news. PG&E is preparing to shut off power to perhaps hundreds of thousands of people up and down Northern California. They're trying to prevent more wildfires like the ones that have devastated California in the past two years. Reporter J.D. Morris joins me to talk about how we got here and what you need to know about the potential shutoffs. J.D. Morris, right after this. J.D. Morris, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. J.D., we are recording this at midday on Tuesday as a lot of the Bay Area is watching what PG&E does with massive power shutoffs that they say may happen on Wednesday and Thursday. J.D., what exactly is PG&E thinking of doing and why are they doing it? PG&E is considering turning off power for 600,000 customers in 29 counties in California. That's half of all counties in the state that will see some kind of impact if this goes through as they're planning to do it here uh, midday Tuesday. The reason um, has a lot to do with what happened exactly two years ago. On October 8th, 2017, a bunch of fires broke out in the North Bay's wine country when a massive windstorm came in and knocked down power lines all over the place. PG&E did not cause the worst fire that night, according to Cal Fire, but that's being disputed in court. That's the Tubbs fire that started right. near Calistoga. Regardless, that was also blamed on private electrical equipment. So the problem is when these massive windstorms come in, they can uh, knock down power lines when trees or branches fall on them. So PG&E, because of the weather forecast um, tonight, is very similar to what happened um, two years ago, we've got um, really intense winds that are coming in from the east, which means that they're drier than wind that comes in off the Pacific Ocean. Mm. We've gone months without sustained rainfall, which means that the vegetation around the northern part of the state is, um, you know, pr- is really dry. And so it's it's like a tinderbox. Um, so when you have those two factors plus warmth, but really I, the way I understand it, the driving factors – I think are more so the wind and the dryness. Um, you know, when those two things come together, that makes it really dangerous. It means that if a fire starts, it can move really fast and cause a lot of damage, um, exactly like it did two years ago when all these fires broke out. Um, so after that, PG&E created a its uh, power shutoff program. They did not have it at the time of those 2017 fires. Right. San Diego has been doing this um, for years, but PG&E, um, for whatever reason, had not um, adopted it before that because it, it, it's a it's an extreme measure. You know, it it causes a lot of disruptions and it can create problems of its own when you turn the power off. Also, PG&E's service territory is not is very different than San Diego, so it's a much uh, bigger endeavor to do that up here. Um, but after the Wine Country fires two years ago, they created their shutoff program, um, and they're really trying to prevent that kind of scenario from happening again. So that's what they had in place um, when the campfire broke out last year um, in uh, Butte County. And that was caused by a PG&E tower, like many, most of the wine country fires two years earlier. However, the equipment that started 
the campfire last year was not um, or, you know, the way that was started was not by a tree falling on a line. It was by a high voltage tower that broke in the wind. It was like 100 years old. Um, and a, a piece of it was, um, you know, weakened, corroded or whatever. And so that broke in the wind and started the fire. So why- PG&E would not have turned off that power line originally because it was a huge high voltage transmission line that serves a lot of people. And when you turn off one of those, that's like – it's like the difference between closing a city street and closing down a whole interstate. The impact is way more widespread when you turn off a high voltage transmission line. Now, under today's program, could they have turned off that? Yes. Under today's, yes. Now they will. So since the campfire, California's deadliest and most destructive wildfire ever, which was started by PG&E, they will now consider turning off um, those transmission lines, which is why, um, you know, I think we're seeing this, uh, the scale of this increase so much. So as we talk today, a lot of people that are in the zones that might lose power this week are asking, why am I affected? Well, first they're asking, am I affected? And they're looking at these maps. But why am I affected? It's not just people that are in forests or in grasslands, correct? There are some people that might lose power that are in more urban areas. Right. Yes. So if you lose power, it could very well be the case that you look around at your neighborhood and think, oh, the wind here is not that bad. Like, I don't understand why PG&E turned off my power. Well, it's not always about where you are. It's about where the power lines that serve you come from, especially if PG&E turns off one of those big High voltage transmission lines, once again, the interstate freeways of the electric grid, if one of those guys is closed off, it may very well be that electricity cannot get to you. And if that line, you know, is in is like coming over one of those mountains or forested area, yes, Mount St. Helena, those kind of places. Um, where the fire danger is very high and the winds will be extremely fast, then you could be in the dark, even if it feels like your neighborhood is um, is okay. Okay, got it. Next question is, a lot of the warnings that people are receiving are saying you may lose power, not just at the time of the red flag warning when the weather is bad, but it could be several days before you get power back. Why so long? So, First, the power has to remain off. Once PG&E makes that call, it will stay off as long as the weather event that made them decide to turn the power off lasts. But restoring power is not as simple as turning on a switch right afterward. In order for the power to turn on, they have to inspect all of the lines that they de-energize. They do it um, on car. They do it via helicopter. And they do it on foot in some cases. And... There are a couple issues with that. Number one, uh, you can't fly helicopters at night. Number they PG&E can't inspect the lines via helicopter at night. Number two, um, some of the their locations are really remote, which they say actually requires, in some cases, uh, PG&E crews to hike on foot to inspect the line because they have to see if there was damage because of the weather event that made them turn off the line, and if if there was damage, like if the line was turned off and then a tree fell on it or, or whatever. maybe it's resting they can't just, on the line. Right. They can't just – if they just flip the switch, then the fire will start then, you know. So um, they got to make sure that that doesn't happen. And if there are any issues like that, they have to fix it before they can turn 
the electricity back on. So they say that could last um, up to 48 hours. It has never, in my experience, actually taken them that long to restore the power, but they've never considered turning off power to this many people all at once. So if this happens at the scale that they're imagining it right now, um, it, it'll be a big test for PG&E. Yeah, I would assume that when it's a smaller area, they can concentrate crews in that area to inspect the lines. But if it's a huge area, they've got to get to everything. 29 counties is unprecedented. Okay. So a lot of people obviously wondering how should they prepare? Who's going to be most affected and what are our ways that people are coping? The most affected people are the medically fragile and elderly folks who depend on electricity um, for their sur very survival even more um, than the rest of us. Like if you're on – if you have a breathing machine or, um, you know, a, there's a range of electric-powered equipment that helps disabled folks, um, you know, and a lot of those people can't be without power at all. Um, so if you have – high energy needs because of a medical disability or or because of a disability or, or some other um, you know medical issue, then um, oftentimes you might be enrolled in a discount program that PG&E has um, called their medical baseline program. Um, so they because you need so much more electricity than the average customer, those people should be getting an extra level of notification um, to prepare. Um, but of course, you know, I, I imagine it's, it's very concerning for them. And in the worst cases, I mean, I, I've talked to some of those folks before um, for an article I did about that subject. And they were saying, you know, yeah, if, if we don't get enough notifications about this, we're going to have to go to the hospital, um, hospital to the emergency room, um, because, you know, my daughter can't be without power for like any significant amount of time is what one man told me. Um, so some of that might happen. Um I guess. Uh, and for everyone and for else, it'll be, it'll be hard too. For everyone else who just wonders whether they should be doing anything, you know, in the run up to one of these small steps, I mean. Charge your electric devices. If PGE will have uh, like centers open during the daytime, I think, where you can go and charge things and be in an air conditioned space. Um, but of course, having things charged ahead of time is always a good place to go. Your food might spoil in your refrigerator unless. You have a generator, but if you have a generator, you need to know how to use it um, properly because there can be issues with that as well. And uh, what about solar? Uh, a lot of questions about whether someone with solar might be immune to outages. No, not necessarily. Um, if you just have solar panels and that's it, if they're not – ready to run on their own, if they're not set up to run Especially, with a battery yeah. or a backup generator or something like that, then uh, they, they're, connect, they're fully reliant on the electric grid. And if the electric grid goes down, your solar panels won't work. Um, okay. So you should know if, if you have you would know. a You'd Tesla Powerwall like exactly. or, or uh, the Sunrun, um, you know, whatever it's called, uh, that kind of stuff in your home, like you, you would know. And if you don't, then your solar panels will not work. So larger question, JD, you cover energy for us. You cover PG&E. What does the scale of this potential shutoff mean for, for us in a larger sense, for PG&E, their ability to, to deliver power to us? I mean, just objectively, it is 
an admission from PG&E, and they're not alone in this, by the way. Southern California Edison um, is doing shutoffs as well, and uh, I haven't seen any plans from San Diego Gas and Electric to be doing them like right now, but in the past, they have done them um, historically. Um, but it, it means it's an acknowledgement from those companies that they cannot consistently um, provide energy to us uh, safely and reliably because of certain weather conditions. Um, and I'll leave it to but others. But those weather conditions are getting worse. I mean, exactly. They're falling prey to, to some of the same things that climate change is bringing. Exactly. It's it's definitely, it has a lot to do with climate change, which has, has made California's wildfires so much worse um, by creating these conditions where fires are more likely to be really bad um, when they happen. All right. Well, this will be a huge test. JD, thanks for coming in on short notice. Thank you. Thanks to my guest, reporter JD Morris, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.